Well, hey, good people. Welcome to the second week of Advent at Emmaus Way. I hope whatever it was you found to engage yourself in the first half of our time together was fruitful. There was the beginnings of a Advent pageant musical thing happening down here. Um, it was pretty interesting and promising as well. So welcome. Glad you're here for the second week of Advent. Um, to gather us tonight in this second week where we're focusing on hope after turning our attention to expectation last week. Hope this week in the second week, this poem from Wendell Berry to call us together tonight. It is hard to have hope. It's harder as you grow old, for hope must not depend on feeling good, and there's the dream of loneliness at absolute midnight. You also have withdrawn belief in the present reality of the future, which will surely surprise us, and hope is harder when it cannot come by prediction any more than by wishing. But stop dithering. The young ask the old to hope, and what will you tell them? So with young and old. We're going to sing together tonight. I had, I, you know, I just decided today, this afternoon, when I was putting the bulletin together, why don't we add a verse of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel every week? And so here's the second one. Uh, so I'll get us started, but yeah, don't pretend you don't know it. O come, O come, that I will wish um, yeah I think kids are going to go upstairs before the advent wreath we get going here and you're going to have your own advent wreath lighting some of you I believe so you'll still get to see a piece of that and yeah in every community has some sort of like inherent potential inside jokes you know they're just there and tonight we have the hopes who are going to light the candle in hope week and so I just want you to appreciate that realization of potential. Um, so yeah, Alan, Aaron, August, Ellington. Well, Ellington might not be here. Okay. She's here in spirit. 
Okay. We begin our observance of Ad we began our observance of Advent last week by entering into a space of expectation, a time of waiting with all the excitement, questions, and hope. This season contains. But even as we wait in expectation, a deep hope glimmers, enriches, and clarifies our waiting. And so, as we light this candle of hope, we hope. <laughs> Nonetheless. Hope. Despite. Hope. Regardless. Hope. Still. Hope. Where we had ceased to. Amid what threatens. Hope. With those who feed our. Hope. Hope. Beyond what we had. Hope. Hope. That draws us past our limits. Hope. That defies expectations. Hope. That questions what we have known. That makes a way where there is none. Hope. That takes us past our fear. Hope. That calls us into life. Hope. That holds us beyond death. Hope. <laughs> that blesses those to come. And Ellington joined us by uh, <laughs> waking up from her nap. I defy you in the week ahead not to meditate upon hope. <laughs> and it won't take long either. It'll take about that long. All right. Thanks so much, Hopes. That was mm, unexpected. Uh, so as we've been trying to do the, yeah, throughout the, the various seasons, when we're talking about creation and revelation, we want to create some space and time to pray together. And so we have this communal prayer for Advent. Uh, I'll, I'll do my part, and you've got your parts there in the bold. Oh God, the day will surely come. Hold us in the meantime, that we might not fear the long night. The time will surely arrive. Give us signs while we wait. What is left to do, oh God? But to hold on to your promise that new life can be born out of the most unlikely places. Help us, wake us, stir us, so we don't miss you Amen. Thank you. And Neil has brought with him tonight Ken, who's going to play the cello. And I don't think, since we've been in this particular space, that we have had a cello in a mass way. And so that's great. It's pretty fantastic. So thanks for leaning into that with us. Uh, yeah, this is Ken Stewart. He's a, a, a co-conspirator, um, musical co-conspirator. So we're very uh, lucky to have him here with us. Um. Uh. 
streets full of silver Treasures made of gold Will you return with a mighty Hiding in your shadow And caught in your trees Will you return with a mighty storm? Will you return with a mighty storm? And will you return with a mighty storm? Well, real quick before we do this song. Uh, so this song is uh, the Magnificat, uh, uh, as it says right there, uh, over the tune of Wild Mountain Time, which was a song that uh, Marie and I played at our wedding. Uh, so it's kind of nice to get to return to it here. Uh, and it's written about Wild Mountain Time, which is an aphrodisiac. So it's nice to have it repurposed uh, <laughs> in different ways. Um, let's, so the, the refrain is uh, we'll, we'll start with that first, so we can kind of get the hang of it. And it's a great, it's a great song. It's a really good tune, um, so it's fun to sing. Um, let's see. And holy is your name throughout all generations. Everlasting is your mercy to the people you. Chosen and holy is your name. My soul is filled with joy as I sing to God, my Savior. You have looked upon your servant, you have visited your people and holy. And hope. 
Magnificat to an aphrodisiac. Take that with you too. Just keep, all right? I'm, 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 I'm signposting these for you, okay. Uh, yeah, so as we pass the piece, I wanna say quick things, couple of quick things, uh, and then, yeah, at three, and then one I'll say a little bit more when we get back. First, Molly is not here tonight because she was preaching this morning at Calvary Baptist Church in Washington, D.C. Um, I think some of our people have spent time with those folks at Wild Goose. Um, they're Folks that Molly has known and actually heard about some of the Advent stuff we did around uh, the women of Jesus' genealogy. Uh, was that last year or the year before? And yeah, invited Molly to come up and speak about Rahab in their second week of Advent. So that's where she was today. Couldn't quite make it back tonight, but she'll be back for hopefully, we expect, weeks three and four. The second thing is, and I didn't say anything in announcements, but we are going to have an Eway Advent pageant on this very stage. Um, on the 22nd, and though we didn't quite get our act together tonight, Suze will be here from 4 to 5 next week in her role as director and, uh, you know, convener and, you know, if you know, she'll be doing stuff. And so if you have intended to participate, 
either musically or you want to do something with sets or you want to do anything involved with that pageant, I would ask you this week at some point to drop Sue's an email um, and I'll make sure there's another email that goes out that you could pivot off of this week. But yeah, she's going to organize it. So show up next week at four and she'll know what she has to organize. Okay. Does that make sense? And we'll be doing that the next couple of weeks and then the four to five week, er, sorry, hour in the on the 22nd will be a kind of, I don't know, dress rehearsal. That feels, it won't be that. But we're going to get ready for our spontaneous Advent pageant. Whatever that means. Okay. So with that, I'd invite you to pass the piece. And we're going to be back for a guest homily tonight. Guest, but not guest, because Julia is one of us. And I'll say a little bit more about her when we're back. But for now, pass the peace of Christ to each other. All right. Well, come on back, if you would. And I will just very briefly introduce Julia. But first, I learned some important news during the break. And Alon, would you share? Yeah. Um, so if you happen to be listening to NPR tomorrow, likely it will be the impeachment hearings. But if it is regularly scheduled programming, I will be on live at noon on the State of Things. They have, for some reason, contacted me and think my life is interesting enough. Um, and if, if the impeachment hearings are going on, it will replay around 8 or 8.30. Um, and they said it will likely play another time. But tomorrow on NPR, you will hear my whole life story. So with that, I'll invite up Julia Riley, who's in her third year at Duke Div, um, is planning, I understand, to go back and be ordained by the UMC in Texas, of all places, and excited to have her as our first of, oh no! All right. Welcome, Julia. Oh gosh, okay. Would y'all pray with me? God of hope, be present in this space as we read your word and knock over candles. <laughs> Speak through me, open all our hearts to what you might have for us today and be with us as we listen. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Oh, thank y'all so much for having me. Um, yeah, it's just good to be with y'all. Um, I don't know about you guys, um, but I kind of hate talking about hope, even though that's our theme for tonight. It's really ironic that Molly asked me to preach this week, because uh, I kind of hate it. I don't really get it. Um, it's never come naturally to me. I've never been kind of like a naturally optimistic person. Um, and discussions of hope, more often than not, feel really empty and superficial and dismissive of the hard things that I see happening in the world. And it's been even more difficult than normal to have hope lately. I don't know if you guys have been feeling this, but the world is literally on fire. Um, <laughs> climate change statistics only continue to get more and more terrifying. Children are being held in cages. People of color continue to die at the hands of police officers. Queer people take their own lives every day because of the shame, because of the shame that they feel for who they are. 
Um, our prisons are full of young men of color, while white folks who commit much worse crimes um, often receive a slap on the wrist and are allowed to continue living their lives. People right here in one of the most developed countries in the world are dying of preventable and treatable health issues because our healthcare system is so outrageously expensive. Um, we've all heard about the rising stories of gun violence right here in our city. Three of the students that I work with at UNC, they're college students. Um, three of them have parents with serious cancer. My queer friends and friends of color continue to feel unseen and unheard at Duke Divinity School, where I go to school, like Ben said. And the United Methodist Church, where I will theoretically be commissioned and then ordained in just a few short months, um, maintains its oppressive position on the ordination and marriage of queer folks. And I could probably keep going on all night listing things that make me feel hopeless, but the point is that it all feels like way too much. It's hard for me to feel any semblance of hope in the midst of a world like this. And it's so much easier for me to just fall into despair. And Isaiah, the speaker in our text for today, probably would have been able to relate to this aversion to hope. He was living in Judah, which is the southern kingdom of Israel, at a time when this hugely powerful kingdom of Assyria ruled over Judah in an incredibly oppressive way. And many in Judah had given in to this power and had joined in, joined in on the oppression of the poor and the lowly in the kingdom. Things weren't looking great for Judah or for Isaiah. And nobody was listening to him when he tried to warn them what it meant to align themselves with the oppressive systems of power. Um, and so I imagine that Isaiah probably felt the same frustration that I feel when he took stock of the way things that were going on in his world. The poor were hungry and oppressed. The powerful were willing to sell out their people for increased power and wealth. And I'm sure that God seemed just as distant and far from Isaiah as God often feels from me in these moments of despair. And yet, Isaiah is still somehow able to find hope in the midst of the pain. Um, he proclaims in our text for today, which is printed if you want to follow along. He says, A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand in the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. 
On that day, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. The nations shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. What a world, right? A world of equity and true justice and harmonious peace. A world full of the knowledge of the Lord. This would have been as inconceivable in Isaiah's world as it is in our own world today. And yet, he hoped for it anyway. He prophesied about it anyway. Why? And perhaps even more baffling, how? How on earth could Isaiah have held on to this hope in the face of everything that Judah was going through? If you've been keeping up with the Advent devotional that Molly sent out and suggested that we read in this season together, or even if you haven't been, um, you can go back and read that writer and nonprofit worker Michael McRae grapples with similar questions about hope in his section for December 1st, the very first day of Advent. He writes, Hope is the stuff of survival. It's little wonder that people who live in places of suffering are often filled with great hope and joy. As one Palestinian friend said to me, what choice do we have but to hope? The alternative is death. We hope that something more beautiful is coming because we must, because the alternative is unbearable. In other words, hope isn't the same thing as blind optimism. Hope is a form of resistance. It isn't ignoring the hard things happening around us, but choosing to believe that God's goodness, kindness, grace, love, and justice are more powerful and will have the last word. Hope is choosing to believe, like Isaiah, against all evidence to the contrary, that God is at work to bring about a world which is covered by the knowledge of the Lord, in which the wolf lives with the lamb and the poor and the meek receive justice. Hope is choosing to believe in this Advent season that, as Walter Brueggemann puts it, Jesus was received, celebrated, and eventually crucified for for precisely his embodiment and practice of this vision, the same vision from Isaiah of social possibility. Hope is choosing to believe that Christ made an impact on the world, that he ushered in this vision of peace and equality. And this is where hope is most different from blind optimism for me. Jesus' hope and our hope isn't passive. Michael McRae continues on in his section of the Advent devotional saying, the waiting of Advent is an active waiting. As the African proverb says, when you pray, move your feet. Though this peaceful, equitable vision for the world has not yet come to full fruition, obviously, or we wouldn't hate talking about hope. Um, Hope means choosing to follow Jesus' example of preaching and working for a more just world. It's believing that this is even possible and doing all that we can to be a part of making it true. Without giving away any spoilers, I think hope is exactly like what Princess Anna experiences in Frozen 2. If you haven't seen it yet, you should go see it, even if you don't have children. I've already seen it twice. (laughs) But as Anna lays on on the floor of a cold, dark cave um, in the midst of the deepest grief she's ever felt at kind of the climax of the movie, she feels ready to succumb to the darkness, to give up. But instead, in one of 
the best Disney songs I've probably ever heard. <laughs> she sings, you are lost, hope is gone, but you must go on and do the next right thing. I won't look too far ahead, it's too much for me to take, but break it down to this next breath, this next step, this next choice is one that I can make. That's what hope looks like, friends. In the midst of the pain, the grief, and the seemingly unending oppression in the world, hope looks like choosing to do the next right thing, to show up, ready to offer our presence, our time, and our resources, not knowing what the future will hold, but trusting that God is at work, creating a more just world, and knowing that we don't have to do it all. We just have to take the next right step to do the next right thing. Hope is choosing to show up at the next protest, the next Durham can action, or the next town hall meeting. It's choosing to show up at the bedside of those who we know who are dying of terminal illnesses. It's choosing to speak up and preach that God loves all people, that all people are valued and cherished, even though it feels like there are so many voices loudly preaching the opposite. Hope is choosing to do the next right thing when we can't possibly see how it might make a difference in the face of so much pain and so much brokenness. Hope is choosing to show up, believing, like Isaiah, that God is at work, that even though we're, able to, we're unable to see the fullness of it now, that Christ embodied and worked toward this vision of a peaceful, equitable, just world. In this season of waiting, of hoping for the birth of Christ and for the return of Christ, would you all join me in hoping, hoping that a kinder world is on its way, hoping this because we must, because the alternative is unthinkable and unbearable? Would you join me in waiting and watching for this kinder world with eyes open and with feet moving to do the next right thing? Would you pray with me? God of Advent, waiting and hoping. Isaiah trusted in the power of your goodness to have the last word in the world. And today, we are choosing to do the same. Give us strength to get up off the cold, dark cave floor and to do the next right thing. When it seems so fruitless in the face of our hugely broken world, give us the strength to hope. We love you, God. Amen. Thanks, Julia, for lending that word of hope and naming, yeah, a gap and a distance that I'm sure many of us carry within us. Um, we thought in this second week, we're doing something a little bit different for the more participatory part of our Advent each week, and this week we thought circle conversations because we thought maybe we need to force ourselves to sit and speak on hope. Um, and we have this practice to do that, which I think we have just enough time for if I explain it quickly. So I'd like you to get into a group of three. Two can work, four you're gonna run out of time. So if we were overloaded, maybe a group of two could still work. So three, hopefully two if absolutely necessary. Um, just spend a minute and look at this prompt. We've asked you to speak or describe a moment 
a season, a situation, some time in your life that was marked by hope. And we want each participant in the group to speak three minutes on that. And someone in the group, please time it and take all that three minutes, fill it. If, if you run out of words, sit there, let the silence speak. And then the other two participants in your group will have a chance to spend two minutes together. Don't take turns. Back and forth as the Spirit leads. What'd you notice? What'd you hear? What'd you wonder? When you were talking about that, I wondered about, I wondered if you were thinking, I wondered what, I, and, and sort of notice and draw out of what you've heard from your, from your person who shared. And after that two minutes, then the person who shared the first three minutes will have a chance to sort of respond. The idea is like, you talk, you have some noticings and, and, put, and feedback from the two people that listen to you, and then you get a chance to reflect on that on the other side. Does that make sense? Any questions? All right, let's go do it. Get quickly into your groups, and I'll sort of like, yeah. I think I'll start us with the first three minutes. Oh, it's coming. Yeah. Well, it's if these songs have nothing to do with what you've been talking about, then you are probably doing the wrong exercise. Someday in a world where people are free 
Maybe not in time for you and me But someday at Christmas time Oh, someday at Christmas Man will not fail Hey, it will be gone And love will prevail Someday Someday at Christmas dreams come to be Someday in a world where people are free Maybe not in time for you and me But someday at Christmas time Someday at Christmas time There were a lot of key changes in that song. <laughs> Got mixed up. Sorry about that. Um, Stevie Wonder sang that song when he was 17. Recorded it anyways. Um, so thinking about the uh, opening call together and how our, the young ask the old to hope. And what will we tell them? So just thought that was cool. Um, here's another good singer. Um, so let's sing the, the refrain here first, just to get our ears warmed up. Oh, that's right. We're going to do an F. Fix it up. Tis the song, the of the weary. Hard times, hard times come again no more. Many days you have lingered around my cabin door. Oh, hard times come again no more. Let us pause in life's pleasures and count its many tears while we all sub sorrow with the poor. There's a song that will linger forever. seek mirth and beauty and music guide and gay there are frail forms fainting at the door though their voices are silent their pleading looks will say oh hard times come again no more tis a song a sigh of the Oh, 
is a sigh that is wafted across the troubled wave. Tis a wail that is heard upon the shore. Tis a dirge that is murmured around the lowly grave. Oh, hard times come again no more. Tis a song, a sigh of the This is an Andrew Bird song. Um, what, uh, this song reminds me, so many of you might not know this, but I was a missionary intern with Campus Crusade once upon a time in China. Yeah, doing the Lord's work. And uh, I remember uh, at a very low point uh, when I realized that I was in the wrong place, uh, I was listening to this song on my iPod. <laughs> scrolled through my selection and uh, I, I listened to this song and it was uh, it was the song I needed to hear at that moment because uh, it made me feel like maybe my present reality wasn't always going to be that so the song's always been hopeful for me we can call them friends and we can call them on red telephones and they won't pretend that they're too busy or they're not alone if we can call them friends, then we can call Holler at them down these hallowed halls Just don't let the human factor fail To be a factor at all Don't you worry about the atmosphere or any sudden pressure change. Cause I know that it's starting to get warm in here and things are starting to get strange. from a can And now I wish I I had talked to them And I wish they fit into the 
Institutions of this land. There will be tickets, chairs, there'll be pony rides, and dancing bears, there'll even be a band. Cause listen, after the fall, there'll be no more countries, no currencies at all. We're gonna live on our wits, we're gonna throw away survival kits and treat butterfly knives for Adderall. And that's not all. No, there will be snacks, there will. There will be snacks, there will. There will be snacks That was, that was, that was warranted. I think maybe sometimes we've accepted hope too much as a matter of waiting. And oh come, oh come, a far distant day coming, a someday at Christmas time, waiting for the place and the time when we'll gather amidst the crumbling financial institutions of this world. And also, I think it's all those things. Surely, let's wait for that day. And also, as this table reminds us, as Julia has reminded us tonight, hope must also be a place to gather. It must be a next step forward. It must be a walk that we commit ourselves to. And how wonderful to have places that find us in the midst of that long journey to someday where we can gather and step and belong and be together, where we don't have to worry so much about the atmosphere because there's room enough and there's table enough and there's breath enough for all of us. And there will be snacks. <laughs> A God who has crossed heaven and earth to give body and blood and set a table at which all are always already welcome. And there is a next step and there is a place to gather. That's the table I invite you to tonight. And carry that hope with you <laughs> all week and bring it back with you for the third week of Advent next week. Welcome to this table.